Welcome to Evolve, where we have fearless, unfiltered, unapologetic conversation with host Chanel Spencer, author, speaker, and CEO of Maximum Evolution. Are you ready? I hope you're ready. Hello, hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Evolve. I hope you are ready for fearless, unfiltered, and unapologetic conversation. As you know by now, we are having a special series for this lovely project that I've been working on, The Evolution Effect, where we had 21 authors, including myself, sharing our stories on how we broke patterns or broke, have broken patterns overcame adversities and stepped into our greatness and today I have a special special guest one of our authors Margarita Johnson say hello to the beautiful people hello how are you guys doing (laughs) so just a little bit about Margarita she resides in Dallas Texas and serves the community as a social activist she has an international doctorate of Christian counseling from the Grace International Bible University so she'll be calling you Dr. Margarita well, you know. <laughs> oh, you want to be modest. I got you. I got you. Yeah. As, as executive director of Stand for Sisterhood, established December, sorry, December 2016, and when Sisters Unite organized March 2019, she is intentional in her mission for women to win together. Yes. Johnson mm-hmm. recently launched Four Core, the mentor movement, providing intergenerational mentoring for girls and women committed to pay it forward. Yes, I love it. <laughs> oh, just so you know, I'm a Four Core mentor too. So if you want to be a mentor today, okay. <laughs> no, yes, we need all the mentors we can get. So, and I'm so appreciative to you, Chanel, for taking the time to actually moderate a co-art and just be involved and active and engaged and available and intentional. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. I think it's an amazing platform. I think you're amazing. And for, for what you, you do and what you offer is just phenomenal. And I think it's super needed. So thank you for being who you are. So let's thank get into this. So yeah. you tried to, you're, you named your chapter, the breakup. What made you choose that title? You know what? I was so torn. Um, between my initial title and then this title just kept coming to me. You know, it's like, just keep it simple. They were both kind of going in the same direction. Um, but this title, it just kept speaking to me. And then I shared it with my daughter. Um, my, my husband, he wanted to be surprised with the title. So he didn't want me to share the story, read the story, do nothing with the story until he get the book. So he was no help at all during this process. <laughs> um but my daughter I shared her the um, both titles and she was like oh my god mom that's it and so um you know it has a little twist with it so I know when people hear the breakup they're gonna think one thing but uh it was it was actually should I tell people this or should I make them get the book I don't know (laughs) you can give a little sneak preview a little sneak preview well, the honest to God truth is I was just being paralyzed by my past. It was, it was, it was really on a mission to hold me hostage. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to make a, an intentional decision. I had to make a now decision. And that decision, had, it, was, it, was, it was crucial that I, that I make the decision to break up with my past. And so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I, I love to. that. First of all, because she is absolutely right. I was like, Okay, when she told me she changed the title, I was like, okay, and I thought she was gonna talk about relationals, but I was just like, but that doesn't 
okay yeah. <laughs> i love that you that that's amazing Go ahead, continue. Sorry, yeah, so yeah i, I kind of gave a little twist because you know people automatically don't gonna think one thing but i'm like but no it, it's still a breakup and i it was it was a bright it was a bad breakup it was a long difficult complicated breakup um but you know i had to because i wouldn't be walking in my destiny now i wouldn't be the woman that i am now i wouldn't be able to navigate through life as i do now with confidence um fearless unapologetic um i wouldn't be able to do any of that had i not made that choice that decision that day to say, you know what, it's a wrap. You know, I'm no longer no longer going to be held hostage or be paralyzed by other people's other people's opinions of me, and just dictated by my past. Like it's a wrap. I am free. <laughs> I'm yes. a new person, yes. and um, you know, and I and I'm going to walk moving forward into who I'm no into who I know I'm supposed to be. Right. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Powerful. I absolutely <laughs> love that. So yes. what? I know you gave you gave a you gave a lot of tea in regards to your your title, but ultimately, yeah. what can what can the readers um, expect in in reading your chapter? Like, what are some of the stories or experiences that you shared um, that you feel is super powerful for the audience to know? Yeah, well, you know, we all have a past. We all, I mean, a past is it 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 it. It, it's going to always be a part of us, like our past, you know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. although I know my past will always be with me, I no longer wanted my past to dictate me mm-hmm. and make decisions for me. Um, and so, you know, I, I just go through like a real snapshot of my life from childhood, me being born um, and diagnosed as a baby mm-hmm. uh, with depression. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, me being born two and a half months early because my mom was depressed, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, dealing with the separation between her and my father, mm-hmm. um, and then transitioning over to, uh, at 18 months, being rushed back to the hospital near death due to bronchitis pneumonia. Wow. And then from there transitioning to realizing, you know, I always knew my father wasn't there, but I don't think I really understood or grasped that he wasn't there till right. I was at around eight or nine years old mm-hmm. is when I started figuring out, oh, I don't have a father. Like, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, somebody birthed me, but they're not here with me. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I started feeling like I was missing out on something because for, you know, daddy, daddy daughter dances and, you know, just I always wanted to be daddy's girl. And I'm just like, okay, well, that's not going to happen for me. And I think I started realizing that. And then, you know, just, I mean, this happened to myself, my siblings, numerous of times Mm -hmm. of him, you know, promising to come pick us up after two, three years of us not seeing him. And we got our bags packed. We excited. And, you know, we looking out the window for 24 hours. (laughs) We sitting on the porch, we doing everything and he just Mm -hmm. never showed up. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in that moment, that's when I started realizing, okay, people cannot be trusted. People are not people of their word. Um, You know, I I would give people the side eye and just, you know, just, I just, you know, started categorizing people based upon my father's, um, you know, lack of responsibility and just, you know, start saying that, okay, well, yeah, people are liars. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, honestly, I'm like such an empath. So it's so like, uh, so I'm like sitting here and envisioning you guys like sitting on the porch and the, and the hurt and the disappointment and Girl. the rejection that you felt as a child. And that literally can translate into who you become, as you literally just said, as an adult and how you f- and see and it'll put like different filters 
over your eyes and shift your perception and expectation of the world ultimately yeah and it did you know right. yep. i always say that my dad he was the first person to introduce me to uh, rejection mm -hmm. it seemed like he opened up that revolving door because that seemed like that that was just a constant in my life just rejection and abandonment and it's like okay he was the first person that he started this mm -hmm. <laughs> he started the cycle and um yeah it was heartbreaking and even my mom i mean you know she would let us sit there because she knew it was something that we needed to do, you know, mm -hmm. just to understand. She would never badmouth my dad or anything. She just said, when they get older, they'll they'll realize or they'll they'll know for themselves. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to say anything. But she knew that we was we was gonna look out the window all day and we was gonna sit on that porch with our backpacks all day. And she let us not one and then up until, you know, it's about midnight, and she was like, Okay, y'all, it's time to go to bed. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, but um, it was that was a hard process and then from there my mom got married uh, when i was 10 and mm -hmm. so like i say in the book my dad introduced me to rejection and abandonment and my stepfather introduced me to control manipulation and mental and verbal abuse emotional mm -hmm. abuse and uh, my family we went through that for eight years it was literally hell on earth um yeah it was hard so you said in the in your trap you said since birth rejection and perfectionism had served as the chief cornerstones of my existence. Therefore, at age 33, during this challenging yet significant split from my past, it was burdensome having to destroy the only foundations familiar to me and having to rebuild from scratch without guidance, an unconventional set of fundamentals. What did you mean? Yes. Well, like I said, like from birth, that's all I knew. Like I, I only knew rejection. You know, um, you know, even even growing up in the hood, uh, people necessarily didn't consider me hood because of how my sister and I looked. Mm -hmm. And so because our hair wasn't like their hair or we didn't dress how they dressed, because even though my mom was a single mom struggling with three kids, she always made sure that we looked excellent. She always made sure our hair was done. You know, she always made sure that when we stepped out, we gonna step out, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. And so even in the hood, we, we, we didn't necessarily fit in. And then when my mom got married at 10, I had a, a change of dynamics. I went from the hood, which was primarily uh, African-American mm -hmm. to all Caucasian. So I went to a school where it was all blacks um, from kindergarten all the way up to uh, fourth grade and mm -hmm. fifth grade all the way till I graduated. You know, it was just what, a few blacks in the school. <laughs> right. So I had, so then, you know, I had to navigate how to fit in there and, um, and then, you know, just trying to, uh, you know, like I, I do go into a, a little detail about how religious my family was. And because my grandparents were pastors, they just had this expectation on us. And so mm -hmm. it's just like, you know, we always had to be perfect. Like you could not make a mistake. And so they put that on me and I took ownership, literally ownership of that. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I carried that around. Like I said in the book, if I made, really I only made one B my whole time of being in high school and that one B destroyed me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like literally I was in the closet stomping and crying and having a fit. And my mama was like, girl, it is not that bad. It's not the end of the world. But for me, it was the end of the world because I felt like my grades, which was, I was, perf I was perfect in my grades. Yeah. Um, it was what I had going for me. Like I was the middle child. So I wasn't the oldest boy and I wasn't the youngest baby girl. So mm -hmm. I was stuck in the middle. 
And so the one, the thing that got me attention, it wasn't sports. It, it wasn't anything. It was just my grades. And so I'm like, how dare you make a B? How dare you make 89? Girl, come on now. Get your life together. Right. right. <laughs> and so okay. just growing up, that was what I knew. I overdid everything. I did everything to appease people. I did everything to make sure they were okay. Um, I was at ten I was ten years old cooking full fledged breakfasts and lunches and dinners. Wow. All that for my family. And I was, you know, I, my mama didn't have to worry about me. Maybe that's why I really didn't get like a lot of attention because she just knew. Like Sharon, that's what they call me, my family. She gonna mm-hmm. do it. She gonna clean up. She gonna cook. She gonna do her schoolwork. So, you know, yeah, I did it. But then, you know, they didn't have to worry about essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, but it but with that, you know, because I did try to do everything so right and I, I just thought because I had to, I really never ever gave myself permission to be human, really, until a, a, a few years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like thirty eight and I was like, you know what, you are human <laughs> and it is okay if you make a mistake, it is okay if it doesn't turn out perfect. It is okay you know, if you don't sell all the tickets, it's okay. If, yeah. So I literally, like I was 38 when I had this aha moment, like, girl, you are human. You, everything doesn't have to be perfect. But I, I grew up in that atmosphere of religion, you know, to where they made you feel like you had to be. Right. And there was no room for, yeah, right. there was no room for error. So you said in the chapter, I held a lot of my feelings in until explosion day. And then it would all come out, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So what led you up to your explosion day? And how did you feel after? Well, you know what? Like, like, well, really explosion day, the mm-hmm. honest God truth was when I started to get my voice was the night that my mom moved back into with my stepdad. She had separated from him for one year. Mm-hmm. And then she decided to go back and uh, she went back about three months before we went back so we could finish out the school year. So mm-hmm. I was with my grandparents for a year in Mesquite. Um, that's, you know, that was about 45 minutes from where my initial school was. And the first night that she went back, he started his crap all over. And um, my cousin, you know, was just calling to check on us and make sure we were good and all that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, he picked up the phone and, you know, he called me. He called me Miss Sharon because he knew I couldn't stand him. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like, I'm going to need you to get off the phone. And I'm like, I'm talking to my cousin. This is a one minute conversation. I'm like, dude, chill out. But that's just how controlling he was. Mm. And right after that conversation, I remember going into my mama's room about to have like a nervous breakdown. I have never felt like that in my life. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mom, why did you do this? Why are we back here? Why did you come back? And Mm -hmm. I was, she was knocked out sleep, but I was talking to her like, wake up. Like, why are we here? (laughs) And I, and he was just standing there looking. I'm just like, I was just so upset that, we had already went through four years and now here we go again, you know, and just the first night he already tripping. And I did not even realize until I got into the room that I shared with my sister and they room was on the other side of the house. And my sister looked at me and she said, uh, Sharon, she said, you have a, like a trail of blood following you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, huh? <laughs> I, I had no idea that I had got that upset that I started to have a nosebleed and it actually, mm-hmm trail from their room all the way through the living room to my room 
Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I decided, you know, I'm not holding anything in anymore. I have to let this out. And so, really, I've been vocal. <laughs> right. I've been vocal. Like, prior to that, like, I was really quiet and I was like a doormat. People could run over me. People could say whatever. People could do whatever. And I would just take it because, you know, I was always taught what go on in this house, stay in this house. You don't share your business. You don't really speak out. You just, you know, keep it to yourself. Um, but it seemed like, you know, after that day, I became a little bit more bolder. Um, I still had a lot of growing to do because like I said, it was years and years of me just holding stuff in and not really saying anything. Um, but that was one of the pivotal moments to where I really questioned my mom about her decisions. And, um, you know, and from that day I, and, you know, even the next day, my mom was like, you know what, if you want to go back and live with your grandmother, you can. I'm like, I am not leaving you in this house by yourself <laughs> so I'm like if I have to go through it with you I'm going through it with you I wasn't gonna leave my mom right and lo, lo and behold you know we went back through it another almost four years wow. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and my mom had two two mental two nervous breakdowns from mm-hmm. being with him mm-hmm. because he broke her down so much I mean you know it's yeah he broke her down so much and my mom was a strong powerful woman but you know, I saw her. She he broke her down, and it was difficult. It was difficult to to see that. It was difficult for in the middle of the night for your mom to come crawling in the bed. And I'm twelve, thirteen, you know, years old. And mm-hmm. I hear her crying. It's like, what am I supposed to say, dude? Right. You know, yeah. So, um, but yeah, it was those two foundations between rejection to perfectionism. And then just being introduced to mental, verbal abuse, control, manipulation, just, mm-hmm. it, it, it plays on your psyche. It, play, it plays on who you are as a person. Um, it, it just, mess, it, can, it messes you up. I mean, it really does. <laughs> it really, yeah. really does. That's the crazy part. Like a lot of people don't understand, like, it, like the things that we experience as children, as mm-hmm. young adults really shape who we become yep. as like adults and how we behave and how we react and how we respond or whatever it is that we do. And, and that's the hard part about being a parent is that, you know, we're still, we're still human. And, and we, and we remember the things that we saw or things that we experienced and try our hardest for our children not to have to go through those same things or experience things. Yeah. But at the same time, what were you going to say? Oh yeah, I mean yeah, and that's that's why I was like any adult that you see today that is kind of you know dealing with some stuff. I guarantee you, if you just uh, navigate back through their childhood, they're going to start revealing the root issue of whatever. I can guarantee you, it it trans it was birth during those pivotal years, you know, of, uh, of growing up and, and, and a lot of stuff of what we're dealing with now is just, it's un, it's undealt with, uh, hurt, shame, pain, anger, it's unresolved issues. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, and I like, just know, yeah, I would just, I just knew I didn't want to continue that cycle. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to continue that generational cycle curse or whatever people want to call it. I, I refused for my kids to be introduced to rejection and abandonment. And maybe that's why <laughs> I homeschooled them. I did everything because I, I, I never for one second wanted, I wanted my kids not to feel that I was there for them. Right. And that's mm-hmm. the, 
that's the um the hard part too because as children um what what i learned is you know you you want to be the perfect parent but being perfect mm-hmm. is impossible right mm-hmm. and at the end of the day we're still learning we're still growing we're still going through things and mm-hmm. What I learned to do was to communicate with my children so that mm-hmm. they kind of had an understanding, not as to be exposed to grown adult stuff, but mm-hmm. like, listen, mommy's about to flip. So I need you to give me five <laughs> minutes now. <laughs> like and explaining or say that, you know, I, I, in, a, in a moment of pure frustration, I'm like raging. I'll come back and I'll just be like, look, I just have a lot. Going. I'll talk to them so that they don't. Yep that okay this is how we respond to things this is how we act no no no, yep. no. i told them yep. that one mommy is human and i and i and i communicate with them way more effectively than um i ever have because yeah. I, I understand i have a full and complete understanding that what mm-hmm. I see and how and what they're exposed to will genuinely like like literally dictate who they become as younger children as they grow and as teenagers as and and young adults and that's what we have to understand as parents as well mm-hmm. but at the same time forgiving our parents and understanding mm-hmm. they are human too like you know what i'm saying right and right and like that's why with in you talking about just the things that you experienced in your with your mom relationally and as well as with your father and you making the choice to say hey like i'm not gonna allow that to dictate who I'm going to be in this world and how you're just so like you're serving so many um mm-hmm. it's super powerful because you know it, it could go it could go either way like you know what I'm saying like some mm-hmm. some people you know start being rebellious and right. wild and try to get attention in different ways and right and you what you did is literally I did the exact same thing I just started doing the perfectionism thing like yeah my form of, of getting control was to to be perfect in my grades, in the dance, in the this, in the that. Mm-hmm. So I like completely understand mm-hmm. where you're coming from and how you navigated and um, the things that you, and the behaviors that you, um, that you had. That's wow. 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 That's yeah. Wow. And even growing up, like my stepdad, like, you know, he always told me, you don't have an opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't care about your feelings. Your feelings doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So you know, so that was one reason, you know, that I just kept everything in because I was always told, you don't have an opinion. So what you right. say don't matter no way. Right. And you don't have no feelings. You're not old enough to have feelings. That's what he used to say. Right. And right. I'm like, but I, I never, you know, I, I, when my kids was got here, I'm like, no, these are human beings. I don't care what age they are. So they do have feelings. Mm-hmm. Now, there are times when I let them speak and express their feelings. And, and I let them, you know, have an opinion. Because, I mean, your voice is all you have. And if somebody silences you and tell you, you don't have a voice, you don't have an opinion, you don't have no feelings. I'm like, what? And then you become numb and you just become robotic and you just start going through the motions of life. And I found myself doing that. And, um, and I'm like, no, but I always, you know, try to have open conversations, like you say, with my kids and, and give them an understanding and, you know, they're, they're free to talk. And I'm just glad that, you know, my son is 18 and my daughter's 15 and it's no hesitations for them to come and talk to us. Now, no, you know, if they may be, if, if, I don't know, for the most part, and I, I believe they tell us, they tell us everything, but you know, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> I am the, I am the parent. <laughs> right. So I don't know. They might've, they might've left out some stuff. 
but they do know that there is an open door here and it doesn't matter what they do that they can always come and talk to us and you know we're going to handle things emotionally intelligent right (laughs) wow that like that's super that's super true and super amazing because it it helps to kind of build a, a communication bridge um, with your children mm-hmm. so that they feel comfortable to come to you so that they won't so that they can be guided the right way because at the end of the day 99% of the parents I might be um pushing that <laughs> want what's best for their children you know what I'm saying and sometimes right. there's a, a gap between between um between the children and their parent as they get older because they don't understand or they're going through their phases and mm-hmm. And so it's super important for your children to feel comfortable and trust you to come mm-hmm. and have the conversations that they might not feel comfortable having, but it's beautiful because it gives you an opportunity to help them and guide them and, and build a powerful relationship between you guys, because at the end of the day, you want what's best for them. And, and ultimately we, as bad as we want to, we can't protect them from the world and we can't. Right. Yep. So having mm-hmm. that open line of communication and trust, it just makes it so much easier to parent your children. Right. Or, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's so amazing. Yep. So what's next for you? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm definitely working on some other, um, some personal projects with, mm-hmm. with um, concerning um, writing. Mm-hmm. So um, I've been a part of, you know, I'm so grateful to be a part of uh, Breaking the Pattern Anthology. And then I, I just, um, I just released a devotion. I'm, I'm a part of a devotion anthology. Uh, with 130 women. So that okay. is going to be released on July 30th. Wow. Um, Congratulations. So thank you. So I'm gearing up for that. Um, I just recently enrolled into a mental health certification program because I want to, you know, it's so oh, mental health, is, as you can see from my story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, depression was a part of my story, anxiety, you know, all that. And I really didn't have anybody to talk to. And so, I just kept it to myself, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't want other young girls, you know, or anybody really to have to navigate through that journey alone because it is a deep, dark hole and you got to have somebody that you trust that can actually pull you up out of that yeah. um, and let you know, like, this is not the end. There is still hope. You still have a future. You know, I lost a childhood friend to suicide three years ago and wow. I just could not believe it. And you know, once I heard his story that he had actually attempted suicide four times prior to, mm-hmm. um, it just broke my heart that he just felt like that there was no hope, you know, that it was yeah. just over for him. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, my heart goes. And then, you know, just all the other stories of these young people, 10 and 12, you know, committing suicide. And so I want to be able to have that certification so that I can help my girls uh, with my mentoring and um, and just help women as well and just, you know, um, but yeah, I'm I'm enjoying marriage. I just celebrated 22 years of marriage to my hubby. Yes. <laughs> and uh, my son just graduated and uh, my daughter, you know, so just being a mother, um, a wife, of course, and uh, just just continuing um, doing my, my social activism and my philanthropy work, my community service um, through my nonprofits, um, Stand for Sisterhood and I actually just changed the name of When Sisters Unite to Proactivism Inc. 
Um, so due to all the George Floyd stuff that was happening, mm -hmm. you know what? I said, you know what? I can put When Sisters Unite under the umbrella of Stand for Sisterhood since I'm still catering to girls and women with that organization. Right. And, I, and I said, I want to do something totally different. <laughs> and so I prayed about the name. And, um, you know, I'm always talking about we got to be proactive. It seemed like the world has just been conditioned to be reactive. We always want to do something after the fact. You know, and I was just so upset and just, oh my God, outraged of just, you know, the inhumanity and the injustice and the racism and everything, you know, that's been going on for the past, well, forever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but, to, but the George Floyd situation, you know, just for me to sit there and witness this man just just take this man's life and he's begging for his life and he just like, he didn't have a cur in the world. Mm -hmm. That really just upset me. And so, um, yeah, so I just want to bring about systemic change and um, address some other epidemics and, and issues that definitely need to be addressed. So I started a whole new nonprofit. <laughs> yeah, listen, congratulations. It's, I feel that that's super important. And I feel like there are so many individuals that feel the exact same way that you're feeling. I can tell you definitely that I am definitely one where I'm just like at the point where I'm just like fed up, like things have yeah. to change. And especially for our children, it's like, I don't want them, like, I, to be very honest and very transparent, I am, like, borderline traumatized by the, the racism that I, that I felt and dealt with within the yes. world. And oh, so wow. It, right. So in dealing with the, in, in seeing the George Floyd situation, yep. and then as well as the, the exposure of all of the lovely people that just seem to agree or their mm -hmm. opinions or how, how we're like literally still marching. Like they were marching. I watched Selma and I was like, what is like, like it mm -hmm. made me so angry and frustrated. Mm -hmm. And it, mm -hmm. it also can create like, so it can also create a form of hopelessness and despair and, yeah. and encouragement for the future. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's super powerful for you to. Yeah to establish that that nonprofit because it's so needed there are so Girl. many people that are impacted by racism and it's yes. unreal and and yes. i i have a youtube episode that i've been like that i've recorded in november i'm gonna drop it soon um okay. or drop by this time um but um <laughs> but i talked about how as a as a black race there is no race that we feel better than you see what i'm yeah. saying Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, whether it's, yeah. I mean, Spanish is not a race, but you know what I'm saying? Hispanic, yeah. Asian, right. like, there's no race that we feel. Everybody looks down at us, down at us as the lowest form. Right. And I don't, it's the, like, it is the most, like, and we have to work 50 times harder yep. to get anything that we're way overqualified for to begin with or deserve just because, you know what I'm saying? Girl, but, oh, straight the podcast interview chat. But, Girl, <laughs> but, oh my God, I know, right? We'll both be on the soapbox. Exactly. <laughs> So I like, I am right with you. And I think that's so amazing. So congratulations. I think. Thank you. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love um, for us to use our platforms and, and our, um, our energy in, in mm -hmm. more good in the world because it's so, oh, it's so much negative. Girl, look, my son is 18. So, mm. and, and, and my son, he graduated one week. He graduated. He graduated the same day I was, uh, I was having a wait doing, you know, doing a memorial ceremony for yeah. my grandmother. 
you know, so that was bittersweet and that just happened like a month ago. Right. But, but, but I, but my son is such a worker. He's been working. I mean, since he was like 12 years old, like cutting mm-hmm. yards and doing whatever he could do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but now my son is a plumber's apprentice. And so, you know, he, he is, he just, he's out there with everybody. He's out here in the world. And every day I pray for him and we, when we let him out the car, we like, you are covered by the blood. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> you know, because I'm like, my son is 18. And I, these phone calls that some of these mothers have had to get from just, I, you know, I'm just like, Lord, please have mercy, yeah. please. Because yeah. it's just too much. And right. he's a black, black man. And, you know, I just pray he doesn't ever come across anybody that doesn't care about he's a human he he right. is human mm-hmm. and they just see that they just stop at the color of his skin and mm-hmm. they can do whatever they want to and get away right. with it oh right. no ma'am not on my watch <laughs> right <laughs> so do you have any final mm-hmm. words for our audience yes um i just want you to know that uh you are not your past i don't know i don't care if your past consisted of mistakes because we've all made them um if it consisted of abuse if it consisted of just um you know rejection abandonment just no love um you are you are not your past and you know you've been given enough every day that you wake up you have a new grace to start over um and to do it all over again and um i I love this quote that i actually put in my book it says if you're brave enough to say goodbye life will reward you with a new hello and so you know i'm 41 now and i'm walking in my new hello um, because I had the courage and the strength to say goodbye, you know, not saying that my past is always going to be a part of me, but my past is no longer going to define me and just keep me locked in that state of unforgiveness, uh, bitterness, you know, anger, you know, so, Hey, I said hello to my new future and I'm walking in it. And then, you know what, I'm taking some other people along the ride with me so that they can say hello to their new journey as well. So, yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, you got to do it, do it, break up, say bye. (laughs) I love it. Love, love, love it. So how can the audience connect with you? Yes. Well, they can also, they can reach me on, um, Facebook and Instagram, MSJ pro, um, on Instagram and MSJ pro services on Facebook. Um, and, um, they can also call me. I have an office, um, in farmer's branch. Texas, uh, 469-730-3621. And uh, they can also email me, msjproservice, um, msjproservice at gmail.com. So that's M as in Mary, S as in Sam, J as in Johnson, pro, P-R-O, service, all together at gmail.com. And the website is coming soon. It will be msj, what is it, MSJ dot pro or mta dash pro i don't forgot y'all yeah. <laughs> maybe chanel have it wrote down don't worry it's gonna be right in the um in the in the um in the description of the um of the podcast oh, you're fine y'all be able to click the link don't worry about it i don't forgot what it is y'all <laughs> oh it's msj dash pro.com that's what okay. it is <laughs> well thank you thank you thank you i, I appreciate you for being um, a part of this project and sharing your story. And, and I appreciate all that you do for everyone within your nonprofit. I think that's, as you know, I think it's super phenomenal. And Thank also you. I'm excited for everything that you're working on and what you 
what you will be doing for the future. And I definitely know that we'll be working together on some other things. So I'm not worried yes. about that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that we connected. Um, and I thank you for your transparency, transparency, as well as sharing your story. Cause I feel like it's such a powerful one. I feel like so many um, people have gone through similar situations and experiences. So, you know, the hope is that they will read it and say like, wow, like this is who she turned out to be and get hope right. they can do the same thing too. And that's kind of the, the purpose of this book is for us to be transparent and hopes to impact others and to see that there's still hope and there is a light under the tunnel and that you can be whoever it is that you want to be in the world, no matter what you've gone through, what you've experienced, mm-hmm. you have the power to, to make the necessary change to step into your greatness. So I thank yes. you again. And I thank you to our lovely listening audience for tuning <laughs> in. Yes, yes, yes. For another episode. And if you have not gotten the evolution effect, you need to go get that right now. And you need to make sure you read Margarita's chapter, the breakup. Cause yes. she, she tricked me too. That was, I, I let me tell you something. I'm like in love. Like it's a powerful chapter. I love um her metaphor and how she gives you a different twist to what her chapter is is i think that's super amazing i love that love that love that thank Um, you no worries so thank you all for tuning in and i will see you next time thank you beautiful people thank you chanel appreciate it thank you thank you thank you guys y'all have a good 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 day thank you for tuning in to evolve stay fearless unfiltered and unapologetic Until next time, special shout out to all of our amazing listeners. You are truly appreciated. Follow our host, Chanel Spencer, at Chanel Spencer Now on Instagram and Facebook. Songs I'm From the South by D21 from Black Mob Entertainment off the 720 God album. Find him on Instagram at only D21. I'm from the South. I'm from the South. Straight out the South. We'll hit his rock gold teeth straight out your mouth. My niggas don't know peace. Fuck, is he saying though? Homie, is he playing though? Know my old dudes bring more than a candle. Bring the heat to them. There they keep talking. Know that they would end. Little dogs barking. Step across the line. Be shot.